a COVID-filled episode of Setting the Tone, and in our retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. Yes, my name is Elizabeth, and I have COVID. When <laughs> <laughs> joining me today, as always, also with COVID, is Lauren. Hey. And without COVID, thankfully, is Daniel. Uh, hey, technically I had COVID. I just, uh, much like how we produced this show, I got the backlog done out of the way, and I, yeah. I got <laughs> mine done six months ago. Yep. So yeah, apologies for our, uh, for my voice. Lauren still sounds pretty normal, but yeah, you can. I, I've dropped a couple octaves here, but whatever. Uh, today we're going to be discussing season seven, episode nineteen, which is titled "Sailing Away." This episode aired on April twenty sixth, two thousand one. Lauren, what was going on that week twenty one years ago? Well, first off, I have to apologize to my co-hosts and thereby our listeners. Um, the notes this week, uh, I took them. While sick, and I didn't, I didn't think my forearms could get tired just from holding a computer and typing, but here we are. So if things are a little bit disjointed this week, that is my fault. The script of the show was done under the plague. Bro, I was exhausted getting the Chinese food from the front door the other night. Yep. Uh, but with that being said, at the 2001 NFL Draft, Virginia Tech quarterback and future convicted felon Michael Vick was selected by the Atlanta Falcons with the number one pick. In 2007, Vick would be convicted of financing an interstate dogfighting ring, eventually being sentenced to 23 months in federal prison. Not nearly enough. He would go on to play seven more years in the NFL upon his release in 2009. Fucking disgusting. Yeah. Proving that once again, you can get away with... You can get... A lighter sentence on pretty much anything as long as you can throw a football good technically uh from my hometown sort of uh even like, worse i mean it's technically the the next town over but like they're they're those kind of small town thing where it's like two towns are that close together yeah. it's he's uh real famous around those parts let's just put it that way yep uh one of the best music videos of all time, the video for Weapon of Choice by Fatboy Slim is released. Christopher Walken is a national treasure. Seriously, if you haven't seen that video in a while, it's it holds the fuck up. I just, love that song. Just go watch it. I love the video. It's great. And after, I remember, so first time I saw it was when I went to China, um, I got a, this is, this is a weird thing, bootleg DVDs all over the place over there. There was a now that's what I call 2000 or something bootleg DVD that I got and it had a bunch of music videos on it. Oh that was the first time I saw this music video. Fun fact. It also had Mambo number no. 5 on. It. <laughs> After opening in a further 600 theaters nationwide, Bridget Jones' Diary in its second week of release takes the box office crown, defeating Spy Kids by a mere $115,000 over the weekend. And All For You by Janet Jackson is the number one song for the second week in a row. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with Rachel's Big Kiss. At 8.30, Cursed. And then they hoped for a second season, which is maybe the saddest episode title I've ever heard, especially considering wow. that they won't be getting one. Ugh. Uh, at 9 p.m., hopefully that's the last we ever hear of Cursed. Who knows? Uh, at 9 p.m., Will and Grace with the episode The Young and the Tactless. And at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Sugar Mama. This week's episode had 25.4 million viewers tuning in, directed by our very own Carrie Weaver herself, Laura motherfucking Innes. Uh, doing her third out of 12 as a director. And, of course, previous ones of hers included Be Still My Heart and Power. And I'm sorry, I just want to take a quick minute. Speaking of Will and Grace, I just want to say rest in peace, Leslie Jordan. We just heard of his passing like a day or before this recording. Just sweet, sweet man. Mm -hmm. Very sad. I'm very sad. So, 
And written by the team of Jack Orman, doing his 18th out of 28. Previous ones of his from this season included The Crossing, Surrender, The Dance We Do, Sand and Water, and Homecoming. And uh, Meredith Steam doing her second out of six. Previous one of hers from this season was Thy Will Be Done. And as you might imagine, with uh, doing directing duties this week, uh, no Weaver and uh, no Romano either. And before we dive into the episode, just want to throw up a quick content warning uh, for suicide. There is a there is a fair amount of talk of it since we're dealing a lot with mental illness and Maggie's bipolar disorder and the low. She's in the low lows, and not the fun Lolo. <laughs> That's only worth it if people know my nickname is Lolo. That's so. fair. That was a bad joke. I um, appreciated it. It's okay. Um, but yeah, and also there is an attempted suicide in this mm-hmm. episode. So. Yeah, fun times. Uh, but our previous line was brought to us by Chen, and Carter's coming into the yard with Rena and her dog, both in their workout clothes. Uh, Abby sees Richard's car in the ambulance bay, and she's positively thrilled about it. She's just so happy to see her ex-husband and his ex- her ex-husband's car. Uh, Luke and Richard are talking in the lounge, and he's here to tell her that her mom is holed up in a motel out of, outside of Tulsa. Yep. And she hasn't paid for the room in three weeks, and the hotel manager got Richard's number from Maggie's bag, and which is Abby's old number. So, yeesh. We're off to a fun start here. Yep. And we are in with... I also want to point out, it's so funny to see how that conversation stops between Luca and Richard the minute Abby walks in. <laughs> They're just like, oh, oh, hey, yep, hi. Um, but we are in with some bangs, and... Luca is working with a woman who looks very out of it, and her friend. The two girls were chasing greased pigs for Greek Week, and they are absolutely wasted. Um, we find out Maggie owes the motel owner $800. Luca says he's happy to pay for it, but Abby says she's going to take a red-eye flight out there to pay the guy herself, and um, she has to go pick Maggie up. But she want, you know, if she wants to get her committed, it's easier to do in Chicago. And Lucas says, you just need to get her somewhere, like, out there. Don't even wait. Yeah, we'll, get find a, we'll find a hospital out yeah, there. Yeah, get her, get her get in a hospital out there immediately. Don't wait. And Luca doesn't even want Abby going out there. He's like, you can call the cops and have them do a wellness check and get her brought in. Like, you do not need to do this. He's really trying to save her after how messed up she was the last time Maggie was in town. Uh, and then quick cut to uh, Mark is baby proving the house and he said and Corey's like oh you don't you we really you don't really need to be doing that now and Mark is like there's a high likelihood that our baby will be advanced for its age which is the cutest (laughs) thing ever and it absolutely killed me Uh, I mean the daughter of two doctors I bet she's got some brains Mm -hmm. Uh, and Corday's just up against the wall stretching and like doing like a yoga pose against the wall trying to get quote trying to get this show on the road ain't that a mood uh we go back to the er where uh carter runs into abby and asks what richard wanted and uh is given the update uh and then rena's dog in the background uh is eating straight out of the biohazard trash can which things you love to see it it uh abby's on the phone can't get a flight to oklahoma uh, her plan is to fly to Oklahoma and then drive back to Chicago with Maggie in tow. And Carter, uh, you know, ever the white knight here, just jumps in and says he knows a great travel agent who can get uh, two tickets to Tulsa so that uh, he can go with her and come back. 
and see if you can point out in this episode how many different ways there was a meeting in the writer's room before this episode where they were like, all right, we need to do it. We need to shit or get off the pot. We need to pick a direction. Is it going to be Abby and Luca or Abby and Carter? And I'm pretty sure that the Abby and Carter uh, voices won out, at least in this uh, particular instance, because uh, holy shit, like they go out of their way this episode to like do everything but like take take the the steering wheel of the show and just be like no we're going this way like we're going this direction we are we're no longer doing this will they won't they bullshit between the two of them we are now firmly turning taking a hard left turn into uh abby and carter land uh and can you tell i'm a little salty about it uh but we get we go from there to one of my favorite scenes of the entire episode which is mark jamming out in the garage to uh the song sailing away of course but well not sa- sail away i guess is the the stick song but uh he's jamming out in the garage while working on the baby mobile and uh lizzie tries to yell for him he can't hear because of the music and the, so then she resorts to paging him uh because it is time uh, it's mobile not mobile I mean, it's the the little. I've heard I've heard I've it pronounced heard, both ways. I've never heard it called a baby mobile before. I've always heard it a mobile. I've, I've definitely heard it both ways, but okay. I just pictured a little like baby racing car when you. I say mean, baby sure. Mobile, well, so. we can go with that too. Um, uh, but I. But yes, the the dad jams are great. Yeah, I'm I unironically love that song. Yeah, that song gets a lot of uh unnecessary flack, and I don't understand why. It's because of the beginning of it. It is a bit. It was a little bit grating, but like once it actually gets to the part that Mark is yeah. listening to, it it's a jam. Every time I think of sticks, I think of Big Daddy. My favorite use of that song is in uh, Freaks and Geeks when uh, the main character, L- Linda Cardellini's little brother, whose uh, name escapes mm-hmm. me at the moment, um, he finally works up the courage to ask the girl he has a crush on to dance with him at the school dance, and it's during the beginning slow part of this song, and he hems and haws throughout the slow part of the song to like ask her to dance and she finally agrees and they go out to the dance floor and they start to slow dance and it's great and all of his dreams are coming true and then the breakdown comes on this song and it goes into like this like you know face melting 70s uh you know glam rock and you know it it ends up being a very sweet moment but like it is just (laughs) it's such a like perfect usage of such a like needlessly uh audacious song like the song it like really goes out of its way um, but we go from there back to, uh, the ER where Luca is working with yet another girl who got kicked by a pig. Uh, she may have fractured her face. Uh, notable here, uh, she's with her boyfriend or, or a male companion here. Uh, and, uh, I believe his name is Kevin in the episode. And he's really only notable mm-hmm. because the actor playing him, Heath Freeman, uh, who appeared in stuff like NCIS, Skateland, and Bones, uh, he just passed away last year in 2021, uh, lost him to a drug overdose. Oh. So that sucks. Uh, Abby then tells Luca that she is going to be flying out to Tulsa with Carter. This has a predictable result, as does Carter telling Rena that he's going to be going with Abby. So yeah, let's listen to those uh, those little conversations, however you want to phrase it, arguments. I'm taking an 11:40 flight to Tulsa. Hold on, I checked. There's a psychiatric facility at St. John's Medical Carter's Center. coming with me. What? Her mom suffers from bipolar disorder. She's locked herself in a motel room. A motel room? Probably in a major depression. Well, why do you have to go? He offered to help, and I have to drive her back here. So. I offered to help. No, you offered to decide for me. 
Abby, your mother needs hospitalization, not a road trip with you and Carter. Yeah, Luca, we're doing it for the fun of it. It's gonna be a blast. It's a Bulls game. I thought you'd like it. You said you like basketball. I do. Then let's go. Abby needs someone to go with. Well, why can't her boyfriend go with her? Abby, it's it's a mistake. Are you gonna lecture me on this? Good, because you have no idea what it's like. I grew up with this, and I, I don't want to be lectured on. I'm not lecturing. I'm trying to help. You're spending the weekend with her. And a clinically depressed mother. I would pay for the tickets. It's not about the stupid tickets. Shut up! Don't shut up! Don't put yourself in the position to get hurt again. Well, you'd be the expert at that, wouldn't you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go! Rena. Okay, go. Several things about this. Uh, number, number one, uh, they really did just take Carter and Abby's person, I mean, uh, Carter and Lucas personalities as it pertains to Abby of late and just flipped them. Like they just flipped all the character mm. motivations and applied them to the other person. Uh, that's one thing. Number two, is the whole Abby going like, well, you'd be the expert on it. Is that a little bit of a dig at the whole Carol thing? Like, is that a little bit of a, I have no idea Maybe. what she even means by that. <laughs> I feel like yeah. it, like setting yourself up to get hurt again. Like it feels like, a little bit of a dig at like both kind of what how things have sort of stalled between them and also a little bit of the Carol thing as well. And also maybe in a really dark way, maybe about his dead family. Like it just feels like a really like dark, dark way to go about it. Also too, I have to say trying to like tempt somebody with tickets to a bulls game in 2001, my dudes, Michael Jordan is long retired. Like we're, we're, we yeah. are deep into the uh, Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry days of the Chicago Bulls. Like, yeah. it's not a fun time for anyone. Like, the happy days, the the brief glory days of Derrick Rose and right. company are not are still a few years. Are still a few. We years we away. have no such uh, concerns about uh, whether or not these tickets are legitimate. I'm pretty sure that she got these tickets in the mail with samples of Tide. Like you couldn't give away Bulls tickets in 2001. Like they it was so far gone from the the glory days that like you could have easily gotten like courtside tickets for like a song. It was not that hard. And I'm gonna say. Of course she's pissed. Based off how Carter lied to her and then Abby fed on that lie that they were broken oh, up or sure. that he had had a crush on her, of course she's going to think, what the fuck, why is he, like, she's going to make something of it. Because she's 19, she's been told that her, I guess, boyfriend had a thing for this nurse and now he's sporadically going away on a weekend with her. Granted, it is to deal with her mom. But to Oklahoma, but still, like, though, like, what are... But you know yeah. what I mean? Like, of course she's pissed. Oh, no. I, oh, Luca, I'm saying it's I, in her favor. Yeah. And I'm saying, Luca, I understand, too, because he's like, okay, I don't want you to have to deal with this. I She was a mess last time. He wants, he's trying to protect her. Yeah, like, just get her help out there. Don't wait. Not don't waste the time, but don't spend the extra hours and mental labor getting her back here. Yeah, don't put yourself through the trauma of that. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm I'm with both partners on this one. Oh yeah, this is ill-fated. Yeah, no, for sure. Like Luca, I think has very legitimate concerns about why Abby maybe shouldn't go. But I do sort of. I don't know if I grabbed this specific listener response, but like I do agree with a listener response that I read that was basically like he he has he's well within his like rights to have legitimate concerns, but that ultimately her she's the authority at least when it comes to him on what it is Maggie needs. 
And so he right. should just be supportive of that and, you know, try to help her, you know. I I will say, I don't like how um, she goes, well, Carter offered to help. And he says, I offered to help. I don't like what she claps back with. I am not a fan of how she says, no, you offered to, you know, take control of the situation. Right, yeah. Do. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. yeah, it's just, again, it's like you can feel, you can almost feel like you were in the meeting where they made this decision, like where they were just like, mm-hmm. you know, because as we've talked about before, Carter and Abby was always plan A, and Luca and Abby was the, the happy accident that happened along the way. So we're very much in the early stages of that here where the original plan is maybe being questioned by these people who go who look at the dailies and look at the screen and go like there's very obvious real chemistry between these two characters maybe we should go with that and P- there's obviously another much louder voice in the room that's going but this was the plan so we're gonna go with the plan and it's just you know also too this marks the last appearance of rena so bye and also also i love the editing on the scene Oh yeah, it is very good. Yeah, there's another uh, there. That is one thing I do like about this episode is that there's a couple of really slick edits. Uh, there's another one later on in the episode that I really like that I'll point out when we get there. Yeah, um, and then we go to. <sighs> so, they um, I don't know if we mentioned this or not because I think I interrupted you earlier. But Lizzie and Mark arrive at the ER, and Chen forces Lizzie into a wheelchair. And then there's a whole damn entourage following them by the time they get to the elevator. Like, oh my god, is the baby coming? Is the baby coming? Good luck. Blah, 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 blah. And um, they they close. They're like, they, they fade out on the elevator door closing mm-hmm. on um, Lizzie and Mark. And then it kind of transitions over to the hall, the view of the hallway down on the first floor. And it fades from like the janitor over there and everything else and how bustling it is to it just being empty to show that it's like a few hours mm-hmm. later and it ended up that she was having Braxton Hicks contractions and wow, wow. she's like, you'd think I would know since I felt the real thing before. <laughs> so she's pissed at the false alarm. It's like, okay, I guess we go home and rest some more. Yeah. Fuck. It's, it's an excellent like back to back transition. The time-lapse fade, which is, I love. And then immediately yeah. followed up by the elevator door opening on mm-hmm. Elizabeth's very disgruntled face. <laughs> it's just yes. it's really, really good. Corday this episode is just such a good um, highlight Mm -hmm. to contrast what's going on with Maggie. It just helps balance it out a lot. I think it really works. Yeah. All right. Let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, It's Saturday and Abby and Carter on the road. And Lauren had a fashion note. Uh, Sad turtleneck squad look is back for Abby. Do you get any sleep on the plane? No. So why doesn't she like to fly? What? Your mom? Fly. Uh, uh, one, well, one day she woke up and she decided she wanted to take us to Disneyland, which sounded like a great idea. We got to skip school and we all rushed to the airport. Shouldn't get on the plane. No. When we were flying over Nevada, the pilot came over the PA playing tour guide. And she freaked out. She was convinced we were flying over a nuclear test site, and she tried to open the emergency exit door. It took two flight attendants and three passengers to restrain her. And they tied her up right there in the seat next to me, and she screamed her head off all the way to Los Angeles. 
Do you want to make it to Disneyland? I think the creators of Grey's Anatomy just looked at this episode <laughs> and was like, oh yeah, no, we need that for every single one of our episodes. The, the, the licensed music. music. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, I like the there's license. a lot of it. I like I like the music they use in this episode, though. Yeah. But I did have a, a, a sad girl moment when we were watching the episode and taking notes where Carter goes, did you ever get to Disneyland? And I looked at Lizzie and I'm like, you never get to Disneyland. Oh, Dark. Lauren. You heard me say it the first time. Lauren, I love you. <laughs> yeah, let's watch this episode while I have fucking. I, I was gonna open. say as if it as if Lauren wasn't getting like kicked in the dick hard <clears throat> enough. Like we're gonna we're gonna go one more. Couldn't cry because my tear ducts and my sinuses are blocked up with the plague. <laughs> but yeah, this one. Mm. Oh boy. <sighs> this this whole episode, like maybe not the whole episode, but like certainly this segment of this episode, because at least it's not the entire thing. But this episode is essentially like we have fathers and sons at home, like this is like this is the this is just the Clooney Mark uh, the the Doug and Mark road trip episode, but like not quite as good. This is mothers. And yeah, it's like not quite as good. It's it's fine, I but know. it's not the same. So they get there, and the motel manager is walking Abby over to the walking Abby and Carter over to the room with the keys kind of filling her in and saying, you know, oh, I, she was ordering pizza for a while and then I haven't seen her and she was going to the vending machines and I haven't seen her in a few days. Like, just letting her know kind of, she hasn't been around, but this is why I'm worried. And um, Carter tries knocking first and the motel guy's like, well, that's not going to work. She hasn't answered the door any fucking time I've done it. Um, and Abby gets let into the room and finds her mom holed up in a depression nest on the bed. TV running, blankets are all just piled up around her, trash all over the room, blinds drawn, just not yeah. good. Like, I've been depressed in my life. I've, I've, I've been diagnosed with a depression disorder. I've never come anywhere close to something like this. Oh, I have. This is... Just wow. I've seen this and I've almost been this. Yeah. Yep. It's very, very stark visual. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously the last time we saw Maggie wasn't great. Uh, you know, she was flailing and screaming in the ER and, you know, getting restrained by Luca like that. That was, that was the last time we saw Maggie. So she wasn't in a great place the last time we saw her. Uh, but I think even still with that image in mind, this is still kind of a stark realization or a stark finding to to find her in this bad of a shape like whew. and like just i don't know how many different ways can you say sally fields fucking great like the, this whole episode like you just like man like she she nails so many of the like nuances of a depressed person and like what mm -hmm. it is to be severely depressed like, oh absolutely yeah like like her and I want to touch on this now because I know we're about to actually unpack it. But the slow speech, mm -hmm. the being very like inwardly drawn and not, not quite like, like she's aware of what's going on, but you can tell she's not quite an active participant, right. so to speak. There's definitely like a film. detachment, you know, like she's yeah. It's just a whole lot. It's so good. It's so well done. Maggie and Abby are in the next scene are in the bathroom and Abby is very slowly undressing her to bathe her because obviously if you're like this you're not taking care of yourself um, 
ask Maggie if she knows where they are, and Maggie is absolutely filthy, but she is oriented to time and place. Yeah. So, uh, which is a good sign. And Carter gets a call and gives the person on the line an update. We presume it's Luca. Yep. It is confirmed in like two minutes. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah. Uh, and then two guys outside give Carter a look about Maggie and say, you related to her? And he just kind of ignores them. Gives him a dirty look. Small town, in. small southern town. Ugh. The got the big gossip is this woman who's been holed up. In a, <coughs> the big gossip is in the, is this woman who's been holed up in a hotel for three weeks. Yikes! Uh, but yeah, like she, like we were saying a minute ago, like just so many excellent little nuanced things from from uh, Sally Field, like the the whole like like we were saying before, like the detachment, like when uh, Matt, uh, Abby goes to like move like the sweater or the the hoodie or whatever that Mm -hmm. she's wearing so that she can like get her into the tub and like she flinches as if she didn't even know that abby was in the room like it was like a complete it's just so many of these little touches that just really like drive the point home and she like she like turtle shells like she's trying so hard to fold Mm -hmm. inward yeah it's really it's upsetting but it's like really really well done um Carter offers to go grab them some food, uh, tells her that Luca called. Uh, Abby then, of course, goes on to give Maggie a bath. Uh, we go back to the ER where they're at the admin desk where we get a Frank sighting. Haven't seen him in a while. Uh, hey. Frank's eating while a man yells in the background about needing to go to the bathroom. Uh, but they get interrupted by another trauma coming in. A frat boy jumped off the roof and didn't quite make it. Uh, and... Uh, I believe it's the one coming in on the gurney uh, mm-hmm. that he's like, I'm yeah. okay, man. I just hit the trees. Like he's just, you know, he's an idiot. Uh, but it's, he's being accompanied by another one of the frat bros who we will, uh, we certainly recognize more. Uh, but Benton is going to be working on this kid. That becomes important later. The other bro uh, here who he never gets a name. So we just, Mm-mm. he's credited as, frat bro uh is played by actor zachary ty bryan who is uh best known for being one of the kids on the omnipresent 90s sitcom home improvement uh the show that you couldn't not watch if you didn't want to uh that fucker was everywhere all the time for about up until about 10 minutes ago like i think even when i was in college they were still running like six hour blocks of home improvement reruns on tbs and stuff um that makes sense uh he was also in stuff like Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, uh, and The Rage, Carrie 2. Uh, seems like he only recently returned to acting. Apparently, uh, according to his IMDb, he uh, his whether this was by choice or by circumstance, his roles sort of petered out around 2009-ish. Uh, but uh, I did see that he is on a show currently uh, with a recurring role on it uh, that is airing right now. So maybe he's like making a comeback. Who knows? But he was like, I would say the second most famous of the three kids on that show. Like he, like obviously Jonathan Taylor Thomas was kind of like the the breakout star. The he was, yeah, whatever. he was the one that had the big the teen dream or big Disney career. Uh, and then then there was this kid, and then there was the other kid who I think whose name escapes me, but like had like a some kind of thing with his parents, like got emancipated from his parents or something, and then had drama married a woman who was like 12 13 years older than him something like that like there was i remember there was weird stuff with the other kid that's all i remember i don't remember the details but uh that show uh was kind of fucked up like everyone on that show is kind of fucked up in some way up to and including tim allen and i just realized something about this episode mm-hmm. that's petty and pedantic mm-hmm. 
where are these college kids coming from? What university are they coming they never, from? They never do because specify the only two that. major, the only two like major major college. There's three major colleges in it that are in Chicago proper: Loyola on the far north side. Mm-hmm. Like, if this is the loop, it's like sixty some odd blocks north, mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. Then you have University of Illinois Chicago, mm-hmm. which is on the west side, which is right near Rush Hospital, a major trauma center. But we've we've said that this would be near where Rush is in Skyline Rush. They, you're right there in the loop. And yeah, they the try actual... to, they try to pretend that they're in the loop. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, and then also, um, you have universe University of Chicago, which is basically attached to uh, its own hospital down there mm-hmm. too, which is a major trauma center on the south side. So, where are these kids from? Hmm? Columbia. <laughs> With absolutely no frat culture? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Roosevelt? Sure. I don't think Roosevelt would have had a huge... I don't know. Well, also, the where, city would colleges of Chica- and where would they have been chasing pigs? The city community right? colleges <laughs> of where Chicago. Where did they get pigs to chase in downtown Chicago is my other question. I Yeah, as somebody... As Good if catch. you needed a, a fucking, you know, clue. Uh, as somebody who was completely uninvolved in Greek culture in college and had it, the whole found the whole thing bizarre and uh, uninteresting, um, it was yeah. like a huge shock to me when I had to go through the U of M campus recently. Like, and I drove through there on like a Monday, so like first day of the week after the weekend, and to see the like comic nature of their frat row of like. It oh. <laughs> actually yeah. did look like Animal House. Yep. Like it actually, there yep. were like fucking red solo cups everywhere and toilet yep. paper and just like a random couch in a tree. And it was just like, <laughs> how is this real? So I forget that even though I didn't do Greek or anything, I grew up uh, right along East Lansing's frat row and my mom was a professor. So like I saw the MSU uh, frat couches and solo cups and people drinking shirtless on the weekends. And like mm-hmm. Lizzie's been there when the kids are in school and has and when driven football, down. When and there's a football game in yeah, town. You see that shit all over the place. So this is totally feasible from that regard. But, and so, I'm sorry, when you said U of M, I was like, you weren't in Ann Arbor. Nope. Different uh, yeah, I'm M. sorry. I know Got there's it. a lot of M's. I know. I just all it's, it's all, it's Michigan or bus, Daniel. Everything, the world does not revolve around Michigan. Yes, anymore. it does. <laughs> it's raising its hand. The state is a high what? five. It's all about Michigan. And Florida's a penis, so what? So hands are better. Anyway, what did uh, you- I was <laughs> desperately going to ask Lizzie what happens next so we can stop talking about Michigan. Yeah, please. Okay, yeah, so anyway. Never. Carter comes back to the room with sustenance and greets Maggie warmly. He paid the manager a little extra from the mess. Um, Maggie is refusing to eat anything, even just one bite of eggs and doesn't want to go back to chicago either so abby starts yelling at her and carter steps in they're just like nope abort we're out we're yeah abandoning everything um and people are obviously staring and watching it from outside the room there's like a little like picnic table area that's in the parking lot um but they leave the food yeah did they leave their bags too i couldn't tell if he still had one like on his shoulder when he was because originally he had all the bags, and then he stepped in, grabbed Maggie instead. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if he dropped the bags to pick Maggie up. There, I, well, yeah, it may be a, a continuity slip, because there definitely are bags yeah, in the car right. when they get to Chicago. Uh, so it, it's if it if he did forget them there, it was a continuity slip. So, Yep. Uh, then we go back over to um, 
the admit desk and the ER, and the gentleman is still begging to go to the bathroom. Halle says that she'll take care of it in a minute, and he then yells at Benton because he recognizes Benton. Like, he calls Benton by his name, and Benton's like, what the fuck? And it turns out that it was Benton's old chemistry teacher. And how many times can I say Benton in one (laughs) section? Benton takes him to the restroom, and they catch up on their way over there. It turns out he'd had a stroke, but, you know, he's been recovering. But ever since he got his teeth cleaned the other day, his gums haven't stopped bleeding. So Mm. they are... They're looking into what's going on with that. And uh, Mr. Ferris here, uh, we have actually met before. Uh, he is played by actor Roger Robinson, uh, and uh, he is uh, making his first of two appearances as Mr. Ferris, but he did also appear in the season four finale, A Hole in the Heart, as a patient who briefly sees Carrie and I think maybe Benton as well. So may- that might be a reason. <laughs> very, uh, there's your explanation for why Benton uh, – why benton is so recognizable to him uh and uh if i didn't mention it at the time roger did pass away in 2018 uh and not remembering where this storyline uh this little this little thing went here i did have a brief moment of panic where i was like oh no like all these other attempts this season of like benton grapples with his own blackness storyline that they've been like off and on uh dabbling in this season i was like have we really gotten to magic black man levels of storytelling with this where they've just now <laughs> foisted upon us a a black character who's going to teach Benton about his own blackness and I was just like oh god thankfully that's more that's not really where they go with it but it just it did give me a moment of pause alright so let's go to our next audio clip here uh, Abby and Carter are talking in the car I'm sorry I shouldn't let you come here you shouldn't have to deal with this it's no problem this is as bad as it gets. Has it been worse? It's always different, sort of. Or maybe I'm different. I, uh, your perspective changes from seven to, to 20. Although it was pretty bad the time she locked herself in the garage and turned on both cars. She's been suicidal. You can't attempt suicide. So many times. Seriously, two times. That, that appealed to such my like darkest gallows humor sensibilities of so she's been suicidal if you count attempted suicide like that was just like, yes. <laughs> jesus christ that's my style of humor oh boy like just mm, really not to put too fine a point on it again here for that music i'm sorry that's yeah. just that's where i was at it was just the clip was a little shorter than i thought it was gonna be so i was like yeah let's just sprinkle in some some nice early aughts music. oh that's that's not early aughts music that's, <laughs> that's not that's oh, that's, that's cat stevens, stevens. That's, that's cat stevens for when bob dylan's not hipstery enough uh yep that, that gotcha. would shows what the fuck that I would know. probably be what late 70s maybe early 80s cats like i'm thinking i'm it's it's old it's yeah yeah, Cat, yeah. shows what the fuck i know anyway let's what happens next cat stevens uh uh wes anderson's favorite soundtrack edition uh you need a need a song for a wes anderson soundtrack whip a little cat stevens on him uh we then see benton treating another greek week kid this one's name is adam uh we find out he was locked in a trunk uh for pledging uh, and he uh 
cut his wrist or cut his hand here because he was pounding the bot uh, bottle of liquor on the trunk of the car, the inside of the trunk of the car, uh, and panicked uh, because he didn't think that uh, he's he, he was claustrophobic and uh, you know wanted out of the trunk. Uh, and uh, Benton's like, "Why are you doing this?" And he's like, "I knew they'd come back. They did last time. He didn't make it last year. He's pledging again uh, because this is not again, yeah, why? this is not an abusive relationship for." For any of our listeners who went Greek, please show us the other side of this. Yeah. Explain why. Show your work. <laughs> show your work. Explain please. to us how you got here, because I won't be I won't be mad or disappointed. I just please show your my, work. Just why are you the way? My that you my are? best case scenario when it comes to like Greek life type institutions on campus is like you're paying people to be your friends. And like the worst case scenario is that these people don't give a shit about you and will literally watch you torture yourself and potentially kill yourself for their own enjoyment. Uh, so like, what is the appeal is my question. What is the appeal? But uh, then Corday's back and they're in quite a hurry. Mark says they should have been there four hours ago. And Benton <laughs> asks, did you get any sleep? And just Corday just screams back at him. Do I look rested to it's, you? It's my favorite. That exchange right there is like Benton asking a husband level question at boyfriend level tier like because he realizes yeah. in that moment as soon as he asked that question that he's not actually involved romantically with this woman anymore and doesn't have to hear it and so he just goes like okay and walks away <laughs> like, yeah. okay good luck does the grandpa what? simpson and just rotates and retreats from the room yeah. so good like i said corday corday brings the levity this episode she's exactly what we need um but then we go over to Abby, Maggie, and Carter are now sitting at a counter at a diner, and they ordered pie for Maggie. Inside uh, inside baseball note here, I do want to point out that Lauren did capitalize pie in the notes. I was so <laughs> I, I yep I sure did. Um, Abby got a salad. Maggie's getting some capital P pie, and it's new drug on town. And um, Carter's looking at the looking at the map and everything, just trying to figure out. And he goes, oh, we could stop in Lebanon, but that sounds a little dangerous. Abby then gives... I almost said Carter's better than this, but I'm like, no, no he's not. Uh, <laughs> Abby gives Maggie some Depakote for her to take, and Abby says, nope, I want to see her take it voluntarily. Again, Sally Field brings it and does it, and then immediately gets up to go to the bathroom, and... Abby, you know, follows her and she's like, I can pee by myself. I can feed myself. I can make my own decisions. But Abby still goes with her and like kind of peeks under the stall to make sure no tomfoolery is going on with spitting the pill out. And she's just, Abby's just smoking in the diner bathroom. And that's just such a weird thing to see to me. I love, I love how that is. And we may have talked about this in the past. I'm not sure. But like, yeah. I, I love how that is such a consistent character trait for more Tierney's characters. <laughs> like that, just that so she's oh, like her character in news radio smoked when she was stressed out. Like this character smokes. I, I just like, and I think more Tierney herself is a smoker, but like, it's just, I just love it so much. And she's one of those people who makes it look so damn cool like it's yeah it's not good for you it's a terrible habit but god damn it if she doesn't make it look cool let's go to our next audio clip here carter and abby are on the phone with rena and luca respectively somebody needed to come we needed to start her on her medication how long does it usually take to reach therapeutic levels sometime tomorrow night it's 10 hours to chicago i know i'll take her to my house and i'm trying to get her to psych intake on monday. well are you working on monday no i'll switch shifts well what about monday night uh luca i'm gonna have to call you back why? 
I'll call you back. Rena, no, no, wait, because Where, she because go? I think you're completely misinterpreting this. What? My mother. Thought I locked that door. I unlocked it. Okay. I needed some air. Okay. okay. See that family down there? They're down there. There's two little boys over there. They're fighting by the pool. Do you see them? And I think that must be their parents over there having a cocktail. I watch people like that for hours. People doing their marketing, tying their shoes, just doing routine things that probably bore them to tears. I think how lucky they are. They have. They have ordinary lives. Could it be like them? No, I couldn't. I couldn't ever be like them. Yes, if you took your medication. I tried. I did everything I could think of. Got married. I had two kids. I tried to fool everyone that I was just like them. God, why did you come, Abby? Because you needed me. There's no one here to save. That line, though. Yep. It's mm -mm. all my dad wanted. Had conversations like this with him before he got sick with Alzheimer's. Probably right when he was getting sick with Alzheimer's was when these conversations happened. But, yep. Hmm. You okay, Lauren? I'm great. <laughs> Just fine. Again, COVID in this. Excellent week. It's a great, it's been a great week. But yes, her line delivery on that. Just there's there's no one here to save. Just fuck. Mm. And like, I, f I think too, like how easily, you know, because the Sally Field is obviously like a huge megastar, especially at this time. Like it, it could have very easily worked out that like, we could have had those couple episodes with Sally Field earlier on and then like she could have mm -hmm. disappeared and they would have found some way maybe like this, like where they could say, oh, you know, she was found in a motel room in Oklahoma and she passed away. Like we could have easily lost this character and would have lost out on so much great stuff that like the, the fact that we were able to have kind of a journey and a little bit of an arc with Maggie over the course of several seasons is really impressive mm -hmm. when you consider like the magnitude of a star that Sally Field was, especially in 2001, like that they were able to give this character like some real depth and not just have her come in, do the Alan Alda thing and like knock our socks off for three or four episodes and then just fade away into the sunset. Like that we were able to actually have like a, a real character arc with her over the course of several seasons, which is really cool. Mm hmm. Uh, but we go from there to uh, it's now the next day, Sunday. Uh, they're on the drive back. Uh, even more licensed music. Got to fit even more in. Uh, this is I forget what song plays. It's, here. Uh, it's Babylon. Like, yeah, Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Which this is, is, a, the one. is a good this is the one. one that I love the most. I was going to say, yeah, of all the ones in this uh, episode, I think this is probably my favorite. Other, of course, 
Mark's dad rock aside. Uh, but in the car, this is my favorite one. Yes. Um, Abby is sort of lightly teasing, but also uh, offering to help Carter with his arena situation. Oh, the thing I totally forgot to point out after the clip was the um, the beginning of it. Uh, the cinematography of the two of them on the phone at the same time. Uh, and not only that, but like the complexity of how that must have been for them to do, like how that must have been for them to act out for Mora and Noah of like, they're not talking to each other, but their lines complement one another and kind of like it is a, sort of a call and response type of dialogue, but it is not directed at one another. It's directed at two unseen people and the wall that is in between them is a false wall. So like it's the, the camera's positioned in such a way so that you, you know they're in two separate rooms, but like they're hearing what the other person is saying. Like that must have been such a challenge to like get that right and get the timing right so that it sounded natural and didn't sound forced like just I really really like the cinematography and the acting in that scene like they really really did a great job with that uh, but Abby's offering to explain to Rena why he came along because uh, Rena broke up with Carter uh, over this whole thing and uh, Abby with the zinger of the episode well if you're gonna date a teenager you have to expect some drama it's like uh-huh. nailed him nailed him Fucking uh, got him uh, we then go back to the ER. Uh, Malucci uh, see, runs into Mark uh, in the hallway with uh, little baby Ella, who, like, okay, <laughs> of all the, like, things to just drop on people, like, we've gotten to see every other major birth on the show up until this point. Like, we've we've been, like, front row center for all these, like, harrowing experiences. And for whatever reason, which I can't fully figure out, they decide to do this one off screen and I don't know why. Like, is it because maybe Alex Kingston is actually pregnant at this point and like it would be weird for her to like go through that? I don't know. But I think Ming-Na Wen was also pregnant too and we saw her birth. So it's like, it's it's just kind of a weird choice that they chose to have this one just kind of like, oh, and, and she's here, like kids here. There you go. Uh, so technically the first appearance uh, ever of uh, Ella Tiberius Green right here. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Malucci. Mal- using her Christian name. I using like her that. Christian name, of course. Uh, Malucci uh, wants to uh, hold the new baby and uh, make some comment about watching out for boys with her. And just like, again, we've we've entered full shitpost Malucci era where like the writers but no I longer s- care about him. But I still don't hate him. There have been times where I've hated him. Uh, there, we've re- we've definitely, I think, reached like we we've re- <laughs> we've reached the phase of the toxic relationship where you've both decided to go your separate ways, and now it's just more fun to be friends because all the pressure's off and like nobody's mm-hmm. nobody's trying to like hang on to anything that isn't worth saving. Like we we've both realized that this isn't working out and we're going to go our separate ways. So now we can just be friends. And like I feel like that's where we're at with Malucci at this point where it's like this isn't going to work out long term, so we're just going to have some fun while you're still here. Like I I don't hate him, but I am sort of annoyed at how they've just let his character wither on the vine. Like it's it's really frustrating. Uh we do get an excellent line read from Anthony Edwards here with Go Away Dave. <laughs> Go away, Dave. Uh, we find out Lizzie's mom is coming in to help with Ella. Uh, of course, she just left after the 
uh, recent wedding, but she's going to be coming back to help out with Ella. Uh, and the postpartum nurse was going to walk through, walk uh, Lizzie through breastfeeding, uh, but hasn't been in to do that yet. And Mark's just like, yeah, well, I think you're going to just do it uh, because I don't, th- I don't think Ella knows that this uh, <laughs> this it's nurse hasn't been in thing. yet. Right. It's like dogs don't know what daylight saving time is. And I was watching. Uh, I was sort of. Uh, Jen was sort of half watching this episode with me uh, over over my shoulder while she was doing homework and uh, she started to like scold him for this like she started to be like don't tell her what and then he was like then she was like oh wait he has done this before okay never mind like he like she forgot about Rachel for a minute like she she was like oh wait he had a kid before this is not a first time father right so she was like I take it back we go to a gas station. Abby's pumping some gas. Great, uh, great set detail. That they pumped zero gallons worth of zero uh, and zero dollars worth of gas. Um, and she puts the thing back. So I'm assuming they're done. So just a plus attention to detail there. Um, let let us watching this show 20, 21 exactly. years later in in HD. Um, but a guy comes by and says they have a punctured tire and. He punctured himself. He's a scammer. Uh, Abby almost walks into... Or Maggie, uh, sorry. And uh, we just turn around and see Maggie. She almost walks into traffic. And she's like, I'm hungry. But she's finally coming to again. Yeah. But still sort of like dissociating a little bit. Because like yeah. almost wanders into traffic. And then you can see the like snap when Abby stops mm-hmm. her. And it's just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So Maggie's maybe feeling a little bit better because they get to and then they get to pick her over food and she steals something from the register that says single we don't see exactly what it is but it's a medication of some kind mm-hmm. uh, and they're waiting for her by the restroom and they got about two or three hours left to chicago yep everything's fine and then uh benton went ahead and got his old teacher hooked up with a uh, bed back at his uh treatment facility he's gonna get him taken care of agreed to go and do some of the tests himself just because who knows it was apparently he was a bit of a problem patient but cleo compliments him on being such a just sweet you know generous person and blah blah blah, all that stuff they're cute whatever and just before the, our last audio clip here i just want to again this is where this is where they find Maggie after she's attempted suicide. So if something like this would be triggering to you, we please skip forward about three minutes and you'll be all good to go. We love you and we want to make sure you're taking care of yourself, like Lauren and I are trying to. <laughs> all right, so let's listen in, uh, Carter and Abby, as the road trip comes to a conclusion. You did not. I did. You did not. Why would I make that up? You got a perm. Twice. Twice? <laughs> what? It was junior high school. That was the style. Now, I don't know what planet you grew up on, but I do not remember perms on boys ever being popular. Yes, it was. <laughs> Jenny Butler <laughs> I liked it. I see pictures I of I think it. I burned them all. Twice? So that means you thought it looked good the first time. <laughs> as far as youthful transgressions go, I think it scores pretty low on the scale. Say so. She's still out? Yeah. Well, I think you'll be all right by yourself. I should be. I really want to thank you again for doing this. 
You didn't have to. I'd never seen Oklahoma before. No. I mean it. I'll help you inside. Okay, Mom, uh, we're here. Mom. Wake up, we have to go inside. Mom. 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 John! What? She's not waking up. Maggie? Maggie, can you hear me? Maggie! Uh, uh, pupils are dilated. How much? Um, about nine millimeters. Did she take something? I don't know. Sit her up. Did you see her take something? No, she's tacky. Oh, God. Pulse is 130. God. I don't see any sign of head injury. She took something. Where'd she get it from? Call the paramedics. What are you doing? What are we you doing? We can be there before they can get here. Come on, shut that door. Keep her chin up, keep her airway open. So, yeah. Uh. I, I have to start by saying, of course, Lifehouse, hanging by a moment, strikes again this season. This is like the fifth time we've I talked about it. I was just going to say, is this the second time we've played that song over an Abby Carter scene? Like, at least? Or something. And, like, we talked about it because it had just released or something, but... And because I know I've discussed my undying love as a 7th or 8th grader for this song, so I know it's come up. Yeah. But... And again, I, I continue so, to be whelmed by it. It's... I... I totally missed when we were taking notes yesterday that that was playing in the background. So that was a pleasant little oh, yeah, no, I, for Tuesday night. I, I did too when I was watching it. I only noticed it when I went to go do the notes and I saw the soundtrack section on uh, on IMDb where it lists all the, the music for the episode. Like I, I, I saw it was in there and I was like, really? Didn't we have that song already? Apparently somebody was, you know. Do I'm you sure we can search I'm... Lifehouse in the notes, or maybe Lighthouse, as I probably typed it, yeah. and find it. Or my autocorrect the right. Lighthouse. That's right. We did. We did sort of break your brain at the time. <laughs> I do remember that now. The Mandala effect, that, Lifehouse. Or lighthouse. You were convinced yeah. that it was Lighthouse, but it was Lifehouse. Yeah, it's fine. It's anything to not talk about what we need to talk about here. Lifehouse, great. Happy seventh grade, Lauren. Uh, Maggie's not great. Guys. Not great. Yeah. Not great. Also, that that switch to Martin sound cues at the end of that was really jarring. Right. From all the diegetic music we've had this episode to just all of a sudden, boom. Martin, we're going to use a lot of licensed music this week. We don't need you to do anything too crazy. Martin at the end of the episode with a flaming synthesizer, like... <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. It's just a kids' movie. We only need a little. <laughs> <laughs> like coming, like my man was like, I get to do one thing this week, and I'm gonna do the hell out of it, and it's gonna be with a hell weird yeah. synthesizer. But yeah, so this is where we all figured this was heading. Uh yeah. Uh they, <clears throat> we go over to the ER, and Luca is getting ready to run the trauma for Maggie. He's working on getting the room prepped, and she gets brought in. She's got eight out of fifteen on the Glasgow scale. She's cyanotic. Hale finds one of the boxes of pills she took, like, rolled up in her pant leg. Uh, sleeping pills. Yep, set of sleeping pills. She took, I think, 900 milligrams was what they yeah. calculate. Um, and as they're working on her, Luca asks Abby, like, hey, do, do you want to be in here for this? And she's so distracted, she doesn't answer. And she, he goes, hey, Abby, do you want to be in here for this? Like, are you sure? Mm. 
And she's like, yep, let's just get her taken care of. Which, again, they should not be allowing family members in for this stuff. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It drives me insane. (laughs) It's practically practically in the county general handbook at this point. I know. If one of your family members is ever in an accident or is otherwise ill, not only are we going to let you in the room, we're going to make sure you're intimately involved in the process. It makes me so mad. Oh, boy. Well, in the midst of all this, a uh, 19-year-old man passed out from shots of tequila is being brought in. Uh, The other guys in his frat house thought he was sleeping it off. Uh, Doris, Cleo, and Lily are in on this one. Uh, He's got writing on his forehead from the frat bros. Great. Once again, I ask, what is the appeal of Greek uh, culture on campus? Uh, And uh, it turns out it is Benton's patient from earlier, the uh, young kid with the wrist injury. Uh, He's still got the fresh splint on his wrist from where Peter fixed him up just a bit ago. So not great. And speaking of not great, uh, Maggie starts seizing in the other room. Great. Love to see it. Then uh, Benton starts doing compressions on the 19-year-old. He's still down. Uh, Was a little bit of time has passed. And the other what's home improvement kid yeah, zachary ty his brian his uh he never get, never gets a character name so he's just other frat bro yeah home improvement guy comes in um apparently the kid that's the the kid that's dead his um had t- 35 to 40 tequila shots and they saw no problem with that none none whatsoever. he vol- they said oh yeah he voluntarily did that like my dude that's oh that's oh it has to be a handle of tequila yeah i i have never wanted anyone to like me badly enough that i would drink even a tenth of what this kid did <laughs> like yeah like i've done too many tequila shots before but that was like 10 small ones even like, that sounds barbaric to me <laughs> like I should... yeah that was that was the worst hangover i've had, ever had in my entire life um, but yeah, the kid has a blood alcohol of 529. 0.08 is the legal limit to where you're considered drunk driving, folks. Just FYI. Yeah. So they've been shocking him for 40 minutes, and Benton calls time of death right in front of the right in front of home improvement guy, and yells at him to uh, clean up the guy because they wrote yeah they wrote loser on his forehead, mm-hmm. I believe is what the word was. Yep. And I think as Benton walks away, we get a Joey sighting of it looks like a bald man of a balding man of Mark's height mm-hmm. is dropping some towels on the guy from behind. So it looks like it might have been Joey. Yeah, I think there were a couple of times oh. I spotted him in this episode. This is like my first ever Joey sighting if it was real. So I was excited. Um, anything to not talk about how Maggie is unresponsive as they wheel her up to the ICU. Luca um, wants abby to put her on a psych hold the minute she wakes up and abby says well she might not wake up uh, uh. and uh w- randomly out of nowhere william white shows up to meet uh, shows up to say hi to benton and turns out he was accepted into med school and we'll never see him again right yeah this is his last appearance he just like vanishes into the ether and like is this like a weird like clumsy closing of the loop of yep. benton and his teacher yep it's also got a rhyme like Benton and the, his student who was who was never really his student to begin with. He was just kind of this like weird hanger on guy who showed up once. And it was just like I was just like, God bless. Like, not that I don't admire the effort this season to like make Benton's identity issues a, a, a 
a storyline and like let's explore that a little bit. I admire the effort, but again, it just goes back to again for me the clumsiness of a room full of white people trying to write nuanced stories about black identity. Like this is the type of shit that it breeds. Like this is the type of clumsy storytelling it breeds is when you have a room full of white people trying to tell a black man how to be black. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work for me. Not not my jam. Uh, but we uh, go to close out the episode. Abby is waiting up in the ICU hallway with a blanket. Uh, Luca comes by uh, to offer her some coffee and check in on her and Maggie. Uh, Maggie has come out of, you know, she, she's regained consciousness. She's off the vent. Her vitals are normal. They did get uh, Legaspi to uh, check in on her and put her on a psych hold. Uh, and she admits that she should have taken Luca's advice in the beginning. And, uh... Closing out on a real banger of a line uh, where she, uh, Luca says, uh, you know, she's, he tries to reassure her, says she's going to be okay. And Abby, with just the coldest of cold lines, she'll never be okay as we fade to black. Nine out of ten. For me. Nine out of ten with the flaws being the random William White thing. Yeah. I don't know where at the end. Apologies for the coughs on, on Mike. No, it's okay. It can't be helped. Again, we both have COVID. I want it, I want it noted, too, uh, on Mike for everyone to hear yep. that I gave them multiple opportunities to push this recording back and gave them multiple opportunities to beg off and we would, like, tag in a friend or something, and it was like, no, we're going to record this. So yeah. don't my, come for so me in the comments, was, people. My my voice was getting worse throughout the day anyway, and it's and it was – we didn't really. We just wanted to get it just, done. We yeah. want. We want to watch wrestling tomorrow night. It's <coughs> priorities. Um, yeah, it's priorities. Um, but yeah, no. The flaws being William White. Uh, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, nine out of ten. I really love. I think Mortini's on fire. Sally Field is on fire. Really, just a generally great episode. Yeah. And plus, yay, Ella Tiberius Green. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For me, like it, it is very much the like the the little brother to father and sons in terms of like fun road trip episodes. Like I just see, I actually prefer. I really like Carter and Abby together. So ah, tell me, tell me you've never had a functional relationship modeled for me, <laughs> modeled for you without telling me you've never had a functional relationship modeled but, for you. But still, I think they have a lot of chemistry. Lauren's giving me a thumbs down. No, give me the thumbs down because no. no, we're not functional. That's fair. <laughs> she she says that she hacks up her lungs. Uh, no, they. I think here they're very charming together. Yeah, I, I love them that. together in this episode. I, I think in, in a completely non-romantic capacity. Yeah, I, I think there's a universe in which I could love them at this point. I think it is just tough for me to grasp how hard they have creatively, how hard they have veered in the other direction, like we were on a relatively gradual pace with things and we were on kind of a relatively, you know, balanced take on things. And it does seem like somewhere between the last time we addressed this budding three-way drama to now, there has been some sort of creative consensus reached of like, Nope, we're going to do this and this alone. And we have, not only do we have to go in this direction, but we have to make the other side look bad by comparison. Like we, we have to make it clear that not only is this the choice, it's the right choice. And it's just like, eh, it doesn't really, but, but a lot of that is my own bullshit, like coloring that. So I will 
defer to the listeners on that, which they had plenty to say. I did, however, spare uh, both Lauren and her lungs Jen T's novel that uh, she wrote. Uh, but uh, there is a novel length response to this episode from Jen T on our Discord. So if you want to go read that in full, I encourage you to do so. But I didn't think Lauren would survive, quite frankly. I would do anything for Jen. I could pull it up on the Discord and read it right now, and I'm fine, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm great. We're both totally fine. But if you're up to it, what the listeners have to say about it, feel All free right. to tap in Daniel. I'm going to start and we'll see how far I go before my lung official, my one lung apparently officially gives out. At Laya1989 says, By this point in the series, I felt I could read what Abby was thinking. Like Maura Tierney had thought bubbles above her head, everything unspoken was discernible and Sally Field's character in Crisis was spectacularly portrayed. I always thought these two felt especially authentic. It blew me away. It truly felt like a daughter completely drained, desperately trying to rescue her downwardly spiraling mom. On a lighter note, how is all that stuff at the store only 9.49? Even by 2001 standards, that math isn't mathin' for me. <coughs> I'm great. Uh, at my twisted... At My Twisted Logic says, Just gonna add my two cents saying I felt so much joy when I realized they shot at the same motel from Fathers and Sons. Ah, the beer fight good times. I know it's supposed to be a different place, but once you think about it, it's kind of funny. It's the place where trash parents like Doug's dad and Maggie end up. Editor's note, it absolutely is. Excellent catch. I, I could not let that one go by. Like, that is an, a stellar pickup that I did not catch on first watch and then i went and looked at the the, the I, I checked the fucking receipts and they are absolutely right it is the same motel uh so very good catch uh katie b says i absolutely love this episode i feel like this episode really shows that both abby and carter have been lying to themselves and their true feelings for each other are coming to the surface i prefer abby and carter together i feel during this time he was better for her than luca I feel Carter never really judged Maggie and instead just wanted to get her the help. He knew Abby, knew her mother best, and knew how to help her get back and went along with it rather than trying to force her to do something else. Editor's note here, that is an excellent point. I do love how Carter treats Maggie every time they're on scene together. Mm -hmm. It is something I forgot to mention earlier. So good. Back to the listener response. I really think Mora and Sally did such an amazing... I really think Mora and Sally did such amazing acting this episode. I can't imagine anyone else playing these characters. And Heather R. says, Maybe this is an obvious take, but I always thought this was a turning point for Abby and Carter, sending them fully on the way to their relationship. Even at the time, without the benefit of hindsight and rewatches to see how their relationship turned out, it struck me as so weird that Carter was the one who went with her on the trip. Okay, Carter, we get it. You have money, so your really good travel agent helped out here. Nice, I'm better than Luca Flex. I kid. I kid. Sort of. All right. Normally I do a, a whole big outro <laughs> spiel, but I'm dying. Lauren's dying. So you know where to find us. Remi this, take this as your reminder, folks. Please get vaccinated. Get boosted. There, get your updated boosters. Please. You should have four shots total at this point. The irony of I got mine on a friday and tested positive the following thursday night go get boosted don't wait around yeah it's get yourself taken it, care it's of. not it's not that it's gonna make it so that you don't get it it's gonna make it so that you can get through it and survive it because let me as as now all three of us have yeah. had it i think we can all agree on that 
it fucking sucks even with the boosters. So I can't even imagine how bad it would have been if I didn't have anything I... helping me out. We, we've been joking that this is the monkey's paw of the nap nap squad. When I said I wanted more naps, guys, <laughs> this is not what I had in mind. Yeah. I just please go take care of yourselves. Lizzie and I are going right back to like masking everywhere and hand sanitizer everywhere again for a while just because I can't get this again, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Anyway, take care of yourselves. We love you and we'll see you next week.